This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Welcome back to the Knowledge of Wharton podcast. I'm Rachel Kipp, Associate Editorial Director of the Knowledge of Wharton website. We're here today with Wharton Healthcare Management Professor Ashley Swanson. She has a new paper that looks at the gender gap among high-achieving high school math students. And we're going to talk to her about how this impacts students in high school and also in college and beyond. Ashley, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Now, what's the inspiration for this research? Well, my co-author, Glenn Ellison, and I have been working on this topic for a long time. He actually has been a, a longtime coach of his daughter's math teams and has also authored a series of math books for uh, children. I participated on the math team myself as a teenager, though the American mathematics competition uh, that we study wasn't offered at my school. So our first paper documents this really large gender gap at these really high levels of performance, you know, much higher than we see for average performance. The gender gap at average levels of math performance has declined a lot over time, which is really great. But if you look at these higher levels, like the 95th percentile or the 99th percentile, the gender gap is high and growing as you go to higher and higher levels of performance, which is not so good. We see a much higher gender gap at these higher levels of performance than we see even at the, say, SAT 800 level. Um, at the highest levels of performance we observe in our data, the gender gap is actually about 10 to 1. So this is something we've observed looking at just 2007. This is just a snapshot of data. And we speculated that this is something we can actually track over time. So that's what we were trying to get at in this paper is, is this something that evolves over time? And if so, how does it evolve over time? Now, can you explain a little bit about how does this competition work and what did you observe when you looked at the results over time? So this competition is offered over the course of high school. Students often take it from ninth through 12th grade. Uh, it's offered in a selected set of schools. So it's only offered in about, say, 3,000 U.S. high schools. Um, so it's already kind of a special set of students that are taking these exams. But even within that special subset of students, we observe some really striking dynamics. So we're tracking students from 1999 to 2007. And uh, that's going to be a series of cohorts from ninth through 12th grade. And we observe that these students' participation and performance changes a little bit over time. The strongest feature that pops out of our data is that there's a large gender gap already by the ninth grade, uh, and it widens over the course of the high school years. For example, we find a 4.6 to 1 male-female ratio among the 500 highest scoring ninth graders on the AMC contest. So there's already a really dramatic difference between boys' performance and girls' performance by ninth grade, and it grows a lot over time. This widens to about uh, a 7.4 to 1 ratio of boys to girls among the 500 highest-scoring 12th graders. Now, what are some possible explanations for why this is happening? Well, there are a couple ways of answering this question. One way of answering this question is to investigate what happens mechanically. Is it that high-performing girls are more likely to drop out of the contest? Is it that talented girls are less likely to drop into the contest over time after the ninth grade? Uh, is it that talented girls are less likely to improve enough from year to year to stay highly ranked within the program? The short answer is yes. Each of those factors cuts against girls and contributes to a widening of the gender gap over time. Um, we find that the most important of these factors is that fewer girls are making large enough increases from year to year to move into the top rank groups, but each of those factors plays a part. 
So a couple of the factors that you mention in the paper are that female students might react differently to disappointment than male students, that they might be less interested in this type of competition, or that they might have some competing priorities. Do you feel this speaks to innate gender differences, or could this be something they're also learning as they come up in school? Well, it's hard for us to say definitively what is driving these differences, but we can speak to whether these differences are kind of a good thing or a bad thing in some respects. For example, as you allude to, we document this really striking finding about how students react to disappointment. We focus on this cutoff at which students progress on to the next level of these math competitions. If you score highly enough on the Uh, American mathematics competition exams, you move on to an invitational exam. And this is really exciting for students. It's something that extends their math competition career for the year. And it's something that people would be excited to put on their college applications. And these high performing students are really excited to put things on their college applications. But what we observe is that students that just miss the cutoff to progress to the invitational exam are more likely to drop out. Now, this is not a rational response. They've just gotten a signal that they're really close to being good. With a little bit more effort, they can move on to the next level of competition next year and put this exciting thing on their college applications. But instead, they're disappointed and they drop out. Um, This is about a 10% effect for boys. It's more like a 15% effect for girls. So girls are much more reactive to this uh, disappointment. This is a problem for all students, but it's a stronger problem for girls. And so does that mean that girls are more disappointed than boys are? It's not clear. Perhaps they're just as disappointed, but girls have other things going on that are going to uh, divert their attention and their energy uh, when they drop out of these contests. So maybe they're going to participate in other after-school activities or something like that. We can't quite say. Now... You also asked whether this is something about innate differences uh, in the genders. Now, that's a really complicated question because these things build over time. We know that girls and boys are treated differently even at really early ages by their parents, by their teachers, uh, in terms of the expectations that are directed at them. And so we can't rule anything out about innate differences in the genders just looking at this competition data. However, we think it would be a good idea to start with some of these uh, factors regarding differential treatment before assuming that it's innate differences in the genders. But you do also mention a study in the paper about the differences between how females versus males react to this type of competition, which is kind of a game show style structure. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool research indicating that girls and boys have different preferences over competition, and that might contribute to how they react to disappointment in competitive settings. However, there's a chicken and egg problem here. Are girls and boys born reacting differently to competition, or is this something that evolves over time given how they're treated and how they're socialized? I think that's an open question, and we need more research on this topic. Now, you mentioned that the gap between more average performers and math is actually getting narrower. But do you see some trickle downs with this research for the greater population of students, for the B students, the C students, or even the D or F students? 
So I don't think so, actually. Um, Our findings probably don't generalize outside this topic. Girls perform just as well or better than boys on the SAT verbal and writing components. And uh, the gender gap on average levels of performance is kind of negligible at this point in time. However, high performance in math is important in its own right. Uh, High achieving students make important contributions to science and technology. And advanced math courses taken in high school are associated with higher earnings 10 years later. So what could what can educators do about this, both at the high school level or even at the college level? Well, something that we found in our previous research is that the really high performing girls and really high performing boys are coming from very different schools. The highest performing boys are coming from very good schools. Call it a 93rd percentile school. Uh, The highest performing girls are coming from the best of the best schools. So we'd like to understand what these best of the best schools are doing differently to bring girls up to these high levels of performance that other schools are not doing. Perhaps they're creating a different social environment. Perhaps they're treating girls and boys more equally in these schools. So really, we'd like to see more research on this topic. One thing that's a little bit discouraging about some of our previous research is that the best of the best schools are special in ways that might be hard to replicate. We know that they offer more advanced math classes, and that's something that other schools can do a better job at. However, they also tend to have these long-serving, really devoted star teachers, and I'm pretty sure cloning technology is not that far along. Now, these tests are coming for students at really kind of a pivot point because they're in high school, they're about to go to college with these high achievers, they are trying to figure out where they want to go with their careers, and women have been traditionally underrepresented in STEM careers. Do you feel like there's concern there in terms of the results you're seeing on these tests might also reflect what types of careers that female students are choosing or what kinds of majors that they're going towards. This is something we're really interested in because, as I said before, advanced math courses taken in high school affect earnings 10 years later. Gender differences in college major are an important determinant of the pay gap between college-educated men and women. And we know that these dynamic effects don't stop at high school or at college. There are large documented differences in the progression of men and women's careers um, as a function of some of these factors we talked about before, like drop-ins, drop-outs, and how people advance conditional on staying in math competitions or in the job market. So this is really important for uh, some of the things that we're worried about later in life, like glass ceilings and pay gaps. And so more research is definitely needed on this topic. Ashley, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. You can find all of Knowledge of Wharton's articles, podcasts, and more on our website, which is knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. You can also find all of our podcasts on Apple's podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review or a rating. It really does help like-minded folks find the show. Thanks for listening. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.